Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Silver Emotion Podcast. My name is Will Kauf, and I'll be your host this evening. We've got a lot of good things planned for this episode. It's number 16. Got some talk on the horror films of 1983, Eastern Condors, and a few more surprises. <laughs> so sit back and relax. <laughs> All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Mothers and fuckers, this is episode number 16 of the Silver Emotion Podcast, and uh, this is probably uh, the least prepared for an episode I've ever been. Uh, maybe maybe uh, less prepared uh, on the first episode because I didn't know what I was exactly getting myself into, but uh, on this one, I didn't try to not prepare, but it just sort of worked out that way. I was pretty lazy about uh, writing notes and doing any sort of uh, thought process uh, in in regards to the show. So um, today I'm going to be talking about the 1983 horror movies. Do some rambling on that, and then I have how many movies um, did I watch? I watched one, two, three, four. Four movies, three of which are Hong Kong movies. <laughs> um, I, I didn't intend for this to be another uh, Hong Kong heavy show, but um, about halfway through the week, um, I realized, wait a minute... <laughs> If if I watch movies that I got to review, that means I got to write about them. But I still only have done one list. <laughs> I still have a whole nother list to write up. So I don't have time to do that. So then I realized, okay, well, I don't have to review movies. <laughs> I can watch Hong Kong movies. So it would have been all Hong Kong if I had realized that before I watched uh, that first movie. But that's okay. No big deal. Um, you know, a man cannot live by Hong Kong movies alone. <laughs> well, I don't know. He probably could, actually. <laughs> I could. I don't know. I would get tired. Maybe. I mean, at some point, I would want to go and watch some fucking horror movies. But, uh, anyway. So, uh, feedback. This week, uh, I got some feedback from Stephen, and commenting on the the bronze man discussion uh, <laughs> that I had with myself about the uh, bronze standard <laughs> for for a screen bronze man, and Stephen offers up uh, this comment. He says, "Well." It's certainly not Hong Kong, but the only bronze men that I can think of uh, 
are the ones from the last level of Golden Axe on the Genesis. At least, I've always assumed they were bronze. They're a pair of green statues that come to life and attack you. They probably rate below the bronze standard, though, since you can just throw them off a cliff and be done with them. I was always a bit disappointed that the other two statues in the same room never come to life, since those looked way cooler. Maybe they would have made the bronze standard. <laughs> There's also a DC superhero, superhero, I can't fucking talk, called Robot Man. Man, that's generic as fuck. Robot Man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Okay, uh, there's a DC superhero called uh, Robot Man that looks, <laughs> I just, I can't say Robot Man <laughs> without fucking laughing. <laughs> okay, so there's Robot Man <laughs> that looks like he might be made out of bronze, uh, but I'm not sure. Well, I sure as hell don't know, because this is the first time I've ever heard of Robot Man. And uh, I guess I could look it up, but uh, where's the fun in that? And as for the, the little dudes on, well, not little dudes, but the, the guys on uh, Golden Axe, I remember those guys uh, when you when you described them. Uh, the last time I played Golden Axe was a number of years ago. Uh, well, not too many. I mean, I don't know. When did I move up here? It was like five years ago. And then at some point prior to five years ago, I was hanging out with uh, Uncle Jasper, and we played Golden Axe on some kind of modern console. I think it was the Xbox. And if I'm not mistaken, we got up to those uh, statues that come to life. And that's where we uh, were thwarted. <laughs> the golden axe was uh, laid to rest by those uh, little fuckers. Uh, but I don't, I don't remember... Like, I remember them being green and I remember them coming to life. I don't remember what they looked like uh, after when you're fighting them. Golden Axe statues that come to life. <laughs> Today in internet searching, Golden Axe Stage 7. Well, who the fuck? I don't want to read a fucking thing about it. I want to see a picture. <laughs> come on, man. Seriously put up a fucking text thing. Um, oh, this is going to take too goddamn long. Come on, there's no, like, fucking picture on the internet of these, like, readily available. Maybe if I searched with better terms. But what, what, what are better terms for this? Fucking statues that come to life. <laughs> I guess I could do green statues. How about that? Let's see what that comes up with. Green statues. Well, there's. Uh, I think that that's a. I think that's after. That's yeah, after you already beat them. I think. Fuck, I don't know. 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 <laughs> I don't know, but what I do know is that this is going to take way longer than I thought it would.
So, um, I'll have to take your word for it that they look bronze. I believe you. Um, I just uh, wanted to see them for myself. Get a little, uh, a little taste of Golden Axe. I think I, I think I have it on my, on my Steam account. Steam has a. Um, they're probably on other things too, Xbox or whatever. But um, on Steam, there's a Genesis, like. Eh. Genesis uh, game thing that like within from that one game you can play a whole bunch of different Genesis games and it, and it, originally when they first put it out a number of years ago it was just a like a little interface where almost like a file system thing where you just sort of picked the the game like Vector Man and then it would just load it up like almost like emulator I mean probably just exactly like an emulator um but now they they redid it uh, it's probably been about a year now i don't know uh anyway it's a it's like a 3d room instead of the little file system thing you're in this little room and it's like a uh like a kid's room or a bedroom or whatever some fucking room that you would have had when you had your genesis and there's like a, a bookcase with all the games that you buy like they show up on the shelf and you select it and there's like a TV and a fucking Genesis and you pop it in and it's cool <laughs> it's fun I think I have Golden X on there I should uh, <laughs> I should play through it right now and see those guys <laughs> no I won't I won't do that okay so uh, thanks for the uh, the info on on bronze men uh, possible bronze men in uh, other areas of, of media. Uh, I, I know that they appear in other things, other movies, Hong Kong movies, because um, I know like when I was going through those those Bruce Bruce exploitation movies, there was one that was like Bruce versus the bronze men or something. Hmm. All right. Well. Let's uh, let's move on to 1983 horror movie ramble. I have not looked at this at all, and so uh, let's just uh, uh, look at it together. I guess you could say. Here we go, loading it up. 1983, and I'm gonna try to just look at the top ten. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Boom. Okay, so that's where... Oh, fuck, I clicked the wrong thing. <sighs> Come on. Okay, so I'm going to go up to that one and then do the rest on the rest. Okay, so number one on the list of 1983 horror films. And uh, once again, for those just joining us, <laughs> this is uh, uh, from Letterboxd. The Letterboxd community has... Uh, logged and rated and done all kinds of stuff with the movies uh they it's like a social network and uh it creates these kind of ranked lists uh by year and so so this is you know the the high the 10 highest rated horror movies from the letterboxd community i don't know how many people that is but uh it's a lot it's a lot of fucking people um is there any way to see how many people? 
like it fucking matters. I don't know. It's a lot. <laughs> anyway, so number one on the list is David Cronenberg's Videodrome. And to be honest, I don't know that Videodrome fits into the standard. Well, I don't, I know that Videodrome does not fit into the standard horror movie sort of uh, the box, the box of horror. But what I do know is that it's fucking dope. And it's uh, very horrific. And there's fucking great effects in the movie. Um, It's probably, in terms of horror movies, it's probably one of the best horror movies for people that don't like horror movies because it doesn't really exhibit um, the the similar traits of the genre. It's it's kind of part sci-fi and social commentary and which is usually a part of sci-fi and horror and um, they list mystery as a genre here too, but I don't remember a whole lot of mystery as and you know I don't remember some name sleuthin. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I watched it for the first time, actually, just, I think, last year. I think it was on my list of the uh, the top movies of the year that I watched last year. Well, last year being 2015. Uh, the list that I just put out uh, is 2016. It is not on that list because I watched it in 2015. Okay. <laughs> the fucking riveting. Um, wh- to be honest, though, I don't know what the fuck to say about Videodrome, and that's kind of I should go- I should call the fucking podcast that the I don't know what the fuck to say about blank podcast because <laughs> I probably say that more than anything else. I mean, besides like anyway <laughs> and shit like that. I probably say, like, <laughs> I should count how many times I cuss. That would be, <laughs> I could probably uh, beat like most movies any fucking way. <laughs> I do that all on purpose. <laughs> That's okay. Video drum. I don't know how to how to describe video drum. Uh, if you haven't seen it and you're thinking about watching it, I would say just fucking watch it, <laughs> to be honest. It's the kind of movie that if you don't know anything about it and you're just sort of open and ready for the ride, uh, it takes you on a ride. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fucking doozy. And if you like sci-fi specifically and like... Um, fucked up visions of the future it's not really a futuristic movie but it's kind of like a near future that's not that futuristic i don't know how to describe it it's it's uh to say oh it's the future makes it sound 
like fucking wrong. I don't know. It sounds bad. It's really relevant. It's about media and media consumption and what what uh, people will stomach. And <laughs> speaking of stomachs, <laughs> uh, I'll I'll not say uh, what I'm talking about. Just watch the movie video drum. <laughs> but it, it it like it it's very relevant for like reality reality show culture of today. The fucking media obsessed. I mean, we we elected a goddamn reality show star to the presidency. I mean. Videodrome is probably more relevant now than it was in 1983, uh, which is uh, kind of a, a, a hallmark of a good sci-fi movie if it can sort of uh, in some way predict the future or, uh, you know, see a possible course. You know, it's like Idiocracy, the Mike Judge movie. That movie was fucking out there. It's ludicrous, crazy shit. But at the same time, it was hilarious because it was, like, right on. <laughs> like, man, the fucking world is going to be like that. And then it's probably been, like, I don't know, maybe not 15 years, but at least 10 since that movie came out. It, it's got to be more than 10, though. Yeah, it's probably, like, I don't know, maybe, like... 12 who gives a shit whatever anyway it's a long time and now it's like <laughs> the movie is like really almost accurately predicting the future and it's fucking sad <laughs> anyway videodrome is fucking dope and i would definitely check it out it's uh was released by the criterion collection uh, which is to say that uh, it is well regarded uh, by people who are not necessarily uh, fans of genre filmmaking. David Cronenberg specifically is uh, a fantastic uh, filmmaker. And for me personally, Videodrome is uh, his best movie, I would say. I watched all of his movies um starting in uh, 2015, and then I finished them off in, in 2016. So I've seen them all, and uh, Videodrome was definitely the top one for me. Tupupan. <laughs> oh, triumph. Um, number two on the list, a uh, John Carpenter movie called Christine. And to be honest, I haven't seen Christine since I was probably like fucking 12 or some shit. I don't know. It's been a long fucking time. I remember being fairly young though. Like maybe even younger than 12. I don't know, like 10 or something. And thinking that the car was fucking cool. And like I remember watching the car... I think it, it's like chasing some guy, and, and I remember it like popping over this curb, like a, in the middle of a, like a median or something, and just thinking like, holy shit, this is so scary. <laughs> and I've been meaning to watch it um, 
fucking for years now, and I just haven't. I I have a copy of it. I bought this. There, it's a fucking <laughs> four movie pack, and it has the Blob, the '80s remake, Christine, Fright Night, and uh, the Seventh Sign with Demi Moore. Which is another movie that I saw young as a kid. And, like, I was, I was, like, seven when it came out. It says 88. And I probably saw it when I was, like, eight or nine. Um, whenever it came out on video, so probably, like, eight. And that shit scared the fucking shit out of me. And I only saw it that one time. So, uh, and it was cheap as fuck, too. It was only, like, five bucks. So, I mean, can't argue with that. I got that when... <laughs> some, well, whatever. Anyway, who cares? Let's move on. Christine, you know, I remember it being good. I've heard other people saying it's good. Uh, I, I I, don't honestly remember. I, I do, what I do remember about it is that... I remember it being kind of like thought of as a second-class John Carpenter movie. Um, who thought of it as that? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> but I remember having this feeling that, like, a lot of people thought it wasn't that good in terms of, like, his other stuff. Because, um, what did he make around that time? The Thing. Yeah, it's not as good as The Thing. I can almost guarantee that. And, well, Halloween, of course. Salt and Precinct 13. Yeah, I mean, it's not as good as those. And it's a big studio movie. Because I don't even think The Thing is a big studio movie, is it? I mean, it might be, but I don't know how, like, big budget that was. Yeah, so Escape from New York, The Fog. Yeah, fuck. Well, from my rememberings, it's definitely... <laughs> The worst one of all of those movies. Um, unless we bring in Dark Star. <laughs> I only saw that once. When I, I was... I got it from Netflix. <laughs> so it was some in some uh, early 2000s or something like that. Hmm. But yeah, that's... I, I don't know. Thing might be his first like full-on studio movie. Anyway. Uh, the next uh, next movie on the list, number three, is also a David Cronenberg movie. He put out two movies in 1983, one being Videodrome, uh, independent and very out there, and the other being uh, what I believe is Cronenberg's first big studio movie, uh, the Stephen King adaptation, uh, The Dead Zone. And The Dead Zone is a great movie it's not a great Cronenberg movie um, you can tell that he was kind of restrained a little bit like I mean I don't know that he was restrained but I feel like um, I feel like it, it just it could have been more if he had more creative control. And I don't know that he didn't have creative control, but I just feel like, I don't know, there's something weird about the movie. Now I say that, 
and as I'm saying that, I'm remembering, oh yeah, I read the book right before I watched The Dead Zone. And the book is not a great book. I, I liked it a lot because I'm a super fan of Stephen King. But to be honest, I mean, it's not anywhere near his best books. It's a very character-based book, which is good and, and unique for Stephen King at that time. So for that, like, it's, it's very notable, and I'm sure it helped Stephen King to, you know, uh, continue his growth as a writer. But um, as just a fucking, like, a story... <laughs> It's not the greatest story. There's, you know, good things about it, but um, it's very episodic, and uh, it's kind of, <laughs> I don't want to say dead. It's kind of like, it's it's it feels kind of hollow. Like, it's a character thing, and you're in, and you're dealing with this character, and you're in it with him, but like... Uh, the emotions aren't necessarily there. I don't know how to say it. I, and I read this book like a long time ago. A couple years ago. So, oh, fuck. Like, at least probably a couple years ago. So, uh, but anyway, uh, so I watched the, the, the movie afterwards. And the movie suffers from uh, similar problems in that it's uh, episodic and all of that. And, in like, the storyline isn't, well, I guess that's episodic, but it just, there's not a lot of cohesiveness between the episodes. Like, it doesn't, like, it all eventually builds to something, but it's not necessarily something um, that's uh, as good as it could have been theoretically. But in terms of adaptation... Cronenberg probably did the best adaptation of that book possible. There's a lot of things that, that were changed, and a lot of the best parts of the book had to be changed or removed in order to make a movie that was, you know, anything other than four hours or some shit like that. And that's why the, the miniseries uh, format works really well for Stephen King. But... Uh, I guess they did make that TV show. I don't know if the TV show does the movie or if it just does its own stories, but I don't know. I can't really imagine watching a TV show of that. But but it that goes to show you that they could make a TV show out of this fucking book because it's it's literally episodes. <laughs> you know, it's not just a single story. Uh, but anyway, I'm very surprised <laughs> that dead zone is that fucking high on the list i guess stephen king and a lot of people have seen it more than anything else but like man there's got to be something else that deserves to be higher up on the list uh, i don't know but i'm not looking at the list <laughs> so okay number four on the list we have good old sleepaway camp I watched Sleepaway Camp not too long ago. Let's see when it says. October 2015. So just a little over a year ago. And I loved it. I fucking loved it. 
it's it's 80s it's a fucking summer camp it's gory and it's weird <laughs> and it has a dope ending it's fucking good i haven't seen the sequels uh i heard that the sequels have a different tone in that they're more comedies uh but uh they got to be worthwhile they're still 80s, I think, so I'll get to them eventually. But anyway, like, fucking Sleepaway Camp is, is, it's a good fucking movie. Like, I heard a lot of shit about it, like, good shit, basically, saying that, like, oh, it's a great movie, um, you should watch it, but I got the impression that it was thought of as, like, a good bad movie. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's not, it's just a good fucking horror movie. I don't know. I don't know what people want out of movies sometimes. It's just like, if the movie's fucking good, it's good. I don't, you know, if it's people like they want to be thought of as this fucking like critic or whatever. And so they they won't say that they like this movie, but I don't, I mean, if it's good, it's good, man, fuck it. <laughs> that should be the slogan of Silver Emulsion, Silver Emulsion Film Reviews. If it's good, it's good. Fuck it. <laughs> All right, so yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen Sleepaway Camp, definitely check it out. It's a good one. Uh, don't read anything so that uh, it doesn't get spoiled, because it's it's a movie that could be spoiled. Okay, so let's go on. Number five is a movie featuring David Bowie that I have not seen, directed by Tony Scott, and it's called The Hunger. It's a vampire movie, and I haven't seen it. I don't really know anything about it. Uh, but David Bowie's cool. And who else is in it? Catherine Deneuve. She's good. And Susan Sarandon. Also good. It's probably a pretty good movie. It seems... It seems like it's more highbrow <laughs> than I want my horror movies to be. And so that makes me kind of like... Meh. <laughs> I don't know if I want to watch this movie. I mean, I'd rather see that than a lot of stuff uh, that's more modern. Which reminds me, like, uh, I had the fucking, the new Star Trek movie to watch, and I was going to watch it this week. I had it from the library. And when it came time, like, okay, I'm going to watch it, I just looked at the box, and I was like, do I even fucking care? <laughs> like, even if I... Even if I like it... Because I like the first two. Like... I don't feel like I'm fucking enriched. Or, like, I don't... Well, you know, so I was just thinking about that. And then I just said, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> I'm gonna watch a fucking Hong Kong movie. <laughs> and it was fucking great. And I'm glad that I did that, because, eh, who cares? It's, 
because I don't know, shitty fucking modern movie with shitty action and uh, who fucking cares? Anyway, I don't. I guess <laughs> number six on the list. Let's move it along. Number six is Twilight Zone, the movie. Um, directed by uh, the multiple people. There's uh, many segments in the movie, and the segments are directed by John Landis, Steven Spielberg, George Miller, and Joe Dante. So, I watched this sometime after I saw Mad Max Fury Road. After Mad Max Fury Fury Road, I got really interested in watching all of George Miller's movies. I did not make it all the way through, uh, but I did watch the Babe movies. He directed the second one and wrote the first one. And I watched this movie and maybe something else. Uh, But I don't think so. I watched all the Maxes. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I didn't get to those other ones. Anyway. And I gotta say, I really enjoyed Twilight Zone the movie. I had heard a lot of bad, negative things about Twilight Zone the movie. And I'm a big fan of Twilight Zone the show. Um, the original show. There was also other incarnations of the show that I never watched. And probably never will. <laughs> Oh Jesus! Just, like I could see the the energy meters at like one, just kind of hovering over like zero. Jesus! Oh, I need to spark it up. So I had heard a lot of bad things about Twilight Zone the movie, uh, but. I don't know. I mean, once again, I don't know what people want out of a fucking movie. It's good. It's it's enjoyable. Um, it's not. It's not super inventive, and I think that's what's kind of shitty about it. In that they remake episodes from the show. And they do it with 80s effects work. So it's, it's you know, it's more better. And I think there might have been one that was a new thing. The John Landis one, I think. I don't remember who made what. Spielberg made Kick the Can. And that's... I enjoyed that, but man, it's it's like Spielberg at his fucking sappiest. It's like, oh my god. I mean, it's it's competently made, and it's fucking killer era of of Spielberg there. So it's really, you know, it's really well made. But it's just, man, if if you don't like the sappiness of Spielberg in general. Don't fucking watch this movie. And then Joe Dante made the one uh, with the people in the house. That must be It's a Good Life. And that one's fucking great. That one is super good. 
and that one uh, doesn't exactly follow the original um, storyline. It kind of goes on its own thing. And I listened to the commentary. Was there a commentary? Hmm. It was either a commentary or when Joe Dante was on uh, Mark Maron's podcast where he was talking about how like he not only wanted to do like almost like a sequel to the the original episode but he he got like the people that that were in the original episode to play the older people in that episode that he was directing so it's so it's like a big nod to the original show and i guess that was the only uh the one of the movies uh, to to feature original cast members from the show. Uh, but anyway, and then in Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, the one that uh, featured William Shatner in the original show is the one that George Miller makes. And it's all, I mean, it's an all right version of that story, but it's... Uh, and the, <laughs> the monster is pretty cool, though. Uh, but, I, like... <laughs> I don't know. I, I I can't talk about it as like a great movie, but I really enjoyed it. I don't know. I don't know that I could just sit and watch it a bunch, but I don't know. That fucking Joe Dante one is really fun, though. Really great effects on that. And, I mean, I would definitely recommend that over... Well, not over the whole movie, but just... Like, that would be the must-see one if you're only going to watch one. And they're all in color, too. That's not black and white. Um, that fucking... <laughs> was that even listenable? Jesus. Uh, next one on the list. The list is uh, number seven. And number seven, siete, <laughs> is Cujo. Uh, also an adaptation of Stephen King. This is prime years for Stephen King in in uh, 83. He was on the fucking top of his game. What did he write in 83? Uh, oh, I could pull that up, but I just I'll pull this up. So 83... Stephen King released three books. Fuck. That dude is pumping them out. He released Christine, Pet Cemetery, and the novella Cycle of the Werewolf, which was turned into the movie Silver Bullet. That's a pretty good year for Stephen King. So at that point, he had already... Written the first Dark Tower book, Running Man, Cujo, obviously, Firework, Firework, <laughs> I read two titles at the same time, Firestarter and Roadwork, Dead Zone Stand, Long Walk, fucking Long Walk is, <laughs> that's a dope ass book, if they made that into a movie, it would be the fucking most hardcore movie, like, <laughs> fucking ever, <laughs> it's, uh, the long walk is about like the long walk itself 
is like this uh, this fucking I don't want to say like a sporting event, but it's a televised event where all these like teenagers, um, I think they're all boys if I remember right, uh, have to fucking walk from I don't it's it's some East Coast thing. And it's like they have to walk from like Maine to fucking Virginia or some shit. Some fucking hundreds of miles. And, uh, oh, here we go. Oh, okay, that's right. The walk begins at the Maine Canada border at 9 in the morning of May 1st and travels down the East Coast. Until the winner is determined. So they just fucking walk. And they can never stop. They never get to rest. It just fucking... They just have to walk constantly. And the whole time that they're walking... There's like... Soldiers and shit in tanks. Like rolling by... Like on the side of the road. Fucking... uh, And they issue warnings. And I think you can stop... Like if you stop once... Um, or if you go below this specific fucking mile per hour limit that they've set, I don't remember what it is, they, they issue you a warning, and then, I think, I think you get three warnings, oh yeah, here's the three warnings, and then, (laughs) if you get your three warnings, the next warning they just fucking kill you like just just you're just walking and they just fucking blow your head off or some shit and there's ways to like earn uh warnings back like if you walk for 10 fucking miles with no warnings or some shit like that but the whole book is that I mean, it's just these fucking teens on the road just walking and and it's all like inside this one dude's head and and Oh, I don't even fucking know. It's so good, and it's so fucking hardcore. Like, it would be so goddamn gory. <laughs> it would be way too fucking bleak for it to make any kind of money or anything, so no one would ever make it. But, man, I'd fucking watch the shit out of that. Oh, apparently Frank Darabont has the right to to make a film adaptation he says he would get to it one day. <laughs> oh, Jesus. He probably said that like 15 years ago. Frank Darabont interview. Oh, ah, it's on a fucking website that's no longer around. <laughs> so he said that a long ass time ago. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm not going to hold my breath for the long walk movie. Anyway, uh, Cujo. <laughs> uh, Cujo is one of those movies that I haven't seen since uh, my teenage years. I remember liking the movie a lot. I read the book when I was a teenager also, and I didn't like the book at all. I thought it was it was very slow and boring and Stephen King's worst book, I remember calling it. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm reading 
my way through the Stephen King books uh, slowly but surely. And the next book I'm going to read is actually Cujo. So I will know if it is actually slow, boring, and Stephen King's worst book uh, in the next coming months. But for now, I don't know. I remember the movie being good, except for the movie uh, changes the ending. And I get why they did it. (laughs) But uh, the book's ending (laughs) was probably the, the... I don't want to say, like, the best part, because then it makes me seem like a fucking sadistic. But, like, the book's ending makes sense. And so by changing that, it seems to cheapen it a little bit. And, like, it doesn't really matter. I mean, they can change it, and it's just a small little change, theoretically. But it's, I don't know. <laughs> Again, it's... It, it would have been too much for mainstream audiences to take. Like, they would have never left the ending the same. Uh, so that's Cujo. Uh, what the fuck is this movie? Ang- Ang- it looks like angst. But then it comes up as, like, angat. Angst. I don't know what the fuck this movie is. Angst. It's from Austria in German director directed by Gerald Cargill who the fuck is that I don't know looks like he only made two two movies <laughs> one of which is a short short documentary so is is what the fuck is angst And how the fuck did it get rated up so high? I don't even know what it is. (laughs) Not like I know everything, but like... I feel like I would have heard of it. If it's this fucking good. Huh. Well, uh, according to the little uh, synopsis, it's based on a true story. And it's about a killer that's released from prison... Uh, who breaks into a remote home to kill a woman, her handicapped son, and her pretty daughter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Some person must have wrote that, because they wouldn't... <laughs> What'd they do with the ugly one? <laughs> um, well, fuck, I don't know. I don't know anything about this one. So, uh, I guess it's one to add to the old list. <laughs> The never-ending list. Uh, uh, yeah. Moving on. Number nine is Jaws 3. Probably also known as Jaws 3D. <laughs> if I remember right. Now, Jaws. I've seen Jaws, the original, many times. And I love Jaws, the original, many times over. (laughs) This is fucking stupid. But I never felt the need to see any Jaws sequels. I do now. I do have the desire to see Jaws sequels now because I, my, 
my movie philosophy has changed considerably since I was watching Spielberg movies a lot, which would be more teenage 20s. Um, at that time, I was very much against watching low-budget sequels to good movies, uh, especially if they weren't made by the same person. Um, so, like, Jaws 3 is like, ah, it's a fucking joke. It's not Jaws. Jaws 1 was great. It's fucking end. You know, why is there more Jaws? But now... <laughs> The way I am now, like, I'll watch any shitty fucking sequel. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, the... Like, with Cronenberg, Scanners is a good example where Scanners 1 is probably one of Cronenberg's most well-known movies. Um, it's it's not a great... I mean, I liked it more when I rewatched it during my, my Cronenbergathon. Uh, but like, it's still not nearly as good as some of his other lesser known movies, like The Brood. Fucking The Brood is dope as shit. And nobody fucking knows that movie compared to Scanners, like the amount of people that, that know Scanners. I mean, Scanners has a dope ass fucking head explosion. And that's probably why it's so like in the culture. I don't know. Not that head explosions are a big part of culture, but like... I don't know, that shit is dope. <laughs> it transcends fucking culture, man. Um, but anyway, so like, the sequels to those... The the transers... Transers? Fucking scanners. Uh, sequels are, are pretty fun. There's uh, Scanners 2, Scanners 3, and then there's a couple of Scanner Cop movies. And the first Scanner Cop is really good. Like, super fucking good. Um, and, you know, I would have never watched those movies back in the day. So, uh, <laughs> all that leads up to, uh, I should watch Jaws 3. Has anybody seen it? What do they think? I don't know. Let me know. Um... Next and and final uh, number ten. <laughs> I can't fucking die. <laughs> Next and the final number ten. Uh, it's another sequel to a movie that I really wouldn't have watched the sequel to before back in the day, but I'm actually excited to see this sequel. It is Psycho Two. <laughs> um. They got uh, Anthony Perkins back to play uh, Norman Bates at the Psycho uh, Motel and House. Uh, what do they call it? Bates Motel. And uh, looks like Vera Miles is also uh, back for uh, Psycho 2. And that's like that's a considerable distance. I mean, the first one is 60. This one's 83. So 33 years later, Norman Bates looks uh, looks pretty good for 33 years older. I mean, he doesn't. I mean, he looks old, but not doesn't look that old. Um, but yeah, I've heard this movie is very good. Um, you, I would have never fucking expected Psycho 2 to be worth 
anything, you know. And there's a Psycho 3 and 4, actually. I don't know about those ones, but uh, Psycho 2 is supposed to be good. And uh, what the fuck was I going to say? It's fucking 80s. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I was going to say. All right, I better speed this up. I'm getting getting tired. Okay, so what else from... The, I don't remember if I did things I hadn't seen or things I had seen first, but uh, let's go quickly. Uh, things that I have seen. What else is 83? Well, Michael Jackson's Thriller video. <laughs> it's apparently on Letterboxd, and it is 83. So that's... Uh, that's something to add to your list of 83 movies to watch. If you haven't seen it, it's good stuff. Um, Boxer's Omen. I talked about that on one of those episodes in the past. Boxer's Omen is fucking dope. Uh, also, 1983 is Microwave Massacre. I think I briefly mentioned that towards the beginning, one of the, one of the early episodes. Uh, but that movie <laughs> is really shitty but it's fucking great <laughs> i fucking love the shit out of it um <laughs> i don't know it, has anybody else seen this fucking movie uh because i would i would be interested to know uh what you think of it i haven't heard anything super great about it other than <laughs> what's in my head because i really liked it a lot um, then what else is there? Sweet 16. I think I talked about that one. I, cause I watched that not too long ago. Not a great movie. Um, Seeding of a Ghost. The Shaw Brothers horror movie. That's, uh, that's a good movie. Um, I would definitely recommend that if you want to see, um, it's it's more low budget and like trashy than the Quechi Hung movies like Boxer's Omen or Bewitched or something, but it's fun as shit. And the the finale is like like it's like a rip off of the thing. <laughs> so there's like fucking people and they don't know if they're infected or whatever. It's good. It's very fun. Uh, it gets pretty gory, too. Um, man, I haven't seen a lot of these movies, actually. The Alchemist, Charles Band movie that I mentioned. Uh, I mentioned the, the, the score when... What was that? Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. They go to the movies, they play the score from The Alchemist over footage of uh, <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 1. And The Alchemist itself, the movie, not a great movie, but a fun little movie. And I remember the end being cool, but the, the copy that I watched was like some fucking multiple generations old uh, VHS bootleg copy or some shit. <laughs> so it was all like colors were bleeding and... It was kind of hard to, to to see. I mean, I'm used to watching that kind of stuff. I grew up with that kind of stuff. But, like, it's not, not like the movie putting its best foot forward. Um, 
But it's, it, I enjoyed it quite a bit, actually. If I remember correctly. That was right when I started uh, doing the Full Moon movies. So, like, six, seven years ago. Jesus. Huh. Well, let's see what else. So I guess that's all the 83 movies I saw, and not, not too much. Hmm. All right, so then let's look quickly at movies that I haven't seen that maybe are worthwhile mentioning. Uh, the Keep, directed by Michael Mann. Some I haven't seen it. Well, obviously I'm on the haven't seen it section. But like um, Nazis and uh, some kind of fucking Nazis in a fortress sort of thing and ghosts maybe or some I don't know um, that movie was taken away from Michael Mann and like completely re-edited and God only knows what they did with the extra footage so I've heard it's kind of a like a shitty movie but there's a lot of potential and promise in the movie that you can see and so like a lot of people really like it but then a lot of people think it's a piece of shit so one of these days i will weigh in on it myself uh house on sorority row i tend to get these sorority and slumber party movies mixed up but i definitely haven't seen the house on sorority row sorority and uh uh, one of these days, you know, as with everything. Uh, curtains. I just bought Curtains. I'm going to watch that pretty soon. Um, curtains has one of the greatest fucking covers ever. It's uh, like a little girl, and she's walking through a doorway, and she's pushing these curtains aside to walk through it. But the... The curtains are, like, made of flesh, and above the where the curtains are split is, like, this fucking old man's head, and the curtains are split, like, right under his nose, so he doesn't have a mouth. Um, it's just, uh, it's, it's a gnarly image, and I remember seeing it on the VHS box when I was a kid. And it just was, like, always in my fucking brain. Like, holy shit, that's just a gnarly cover. And I never saw it, so I will have to watch it uh, soon. Sooner rather than later. Also, uh, The Deadly Spawn. That has a great cover. These fucking worm-looking things with, like, a million teeth. Uh, I've heard that it's not great, but it looks like it's got to be fucking just gold. So I'm going to have to watch it and see for myself. Um, also, Amptyville 3D. I haven't seen anything Amptyville past the first two. And I was never super into those first two, so uh, one of these days maybe. Uh, the Final Terror, that was released by Scream Factory, so um, it has to be at least uh, at some level of quality. 
I haven't seen it though. And that's directed by somebody that's notable though. Andrew Davis, directed by Andrew Davis, director of Under Siege and The Fugitive and Collateral Damage, the uh, Arnold movie. He also directed uh, Above the Law, the Seagal movie, uh, Code of Silence, Chuck Norris, and a couple other movies, including (laughs) the fucking Chain Reaction. Uh, with Morgan Freeman and Keanu. <laughs> I've never seen Chain Reaction, but I remember making fun of it a lot when I was a teenager. And uh, I don't remember what we made fun of about it, but <laughs> it just makes me laugh whenever I see that movie. Even though I can't remember because I'm old. Uh, so what else we got here? Um, got a bunch of like Italian movies sledgehammer that fucking uh, made for uh what do they call it shot on video straight to vhs movies oh it's directed by dave Pryor. he made killer workout which is a piece of shit and he also made uh deadly prey which is supposed to be one of the greatest like over the top action b movies ever and i've seen clips of it and looks fucking great um gotta watch it one of these days but man killer workout is a was fucking horrendous <laughs> it was such a piece of shit but i don't know that i can uh, stay away from a movie called sledgehammer <laughs> so maybe one of these days i'll get to sledgehammer what else we got um scalps by fred olin ray looks Looks like it uh, has a fucking great poster. <laughs> Not that that means anything. Because back in the day, man, they just make a good poster and people would fucking rent it. Uh, what else we got? Scream Time. <laughs> I feel like that's a trauma movie for some reason. No, it doesn't look like it. Maybe they put it out. I don't know. Oh, it's British. Man, I don't really like British movies. Is that wrong to say? <laughs> like, well, it's an opinion, but like, <laughs> I don't. I don't, I feel bad because, like, what I don't like about them is just basically, uh, their fucking accents. <laughs> and I and I don't have anything against English accents. I, I enjoy them, but there's something about watching a movie where, where like everybody's english and just i feel like i'm watching some fucking royalty movie then i just zone out i can't like, i can't concentrate <laughs> um ooh the killing of satan that fucking filipino movie that's supposed to be balls out crazy and it's called The Killing of Satan, so why the fuck wouldn't I watch it? Also, the the notable um, Hong Kong film, Devil Fetus, <laughs> that I've been wanting to see for a while. That's 83. Uh, what else we got? Come on, there's got to be something something good hidden in here. Oh, come on. There's gotta be 
gotta be some like at least one movie <laughs> one more movie oh is that that a hong kong movie yeah fucking calamity of snakes <laughs> that's gotta be good fucking snakes snakes man <laughs> snakes get fucked up in hong kong movies i feel bad for all the snakes that got killed in all these fucking 70s and 80s hong kong movies because they like they didn't die humanely in any fucking way i just watched fucking uh eastern condors i'm gonna talk about it later uh there's a scene that's usually cut out of most versions, but I have the Hong Kong release, so it's still in my copy, where Yoon Bu just fucking grabs this snake that's like uh, being a snake on a fucking tree branch. He grabs it, and he just like rips his fucking head off. It's gnarly. Just like unbroken shot. Just He just grabs it and fucking rips his head off. It's crazy. It's so fucking gross and gnarly. Uh, what else is there? Oh, the uh, the the movie directed by Lo Lei and starring Chen Quan Tai. Black Magic with Buddha. And you know I'm down for some Black Magic with Buddha. And uh, hopefully it's it's a good movie. I think I might have that one somewhere. That I could watch pretty pretty quickly. Um, that might be it. That might be it. For like things that I know about and can talk about. I mean, I could just talk about these movies that I don't know anything about. <laughs> just make up shit. <laughs> What's that? That looks like a Japanese movie. Oh, it's Korean. The Korean movie called Public Cemetery of Grudges. <laughs> Is that where the grudge comes from? Well, I guess that's it. Jesus. <laughs> There's a fucking Hong Kong movie called Rape and Die. <laughs> Jesus. What a, what a fucked up title. Rape and Die. Oh my god. And then they have a picture that's... Uh, the, the poster has a different title. It's, a, it's called Born Without Hope on it. Jesus. A bleak fucking movie. All right, that's it. I'm calling it. 1983, uh, you were a good year for horror. You were in the sweet spot of horror. I, I mean, there were better years. <laughs> but uh, you, you gave us some good stuff. And uh, I'll be back uh, to talk about uh, four other movies. This is Vincent Price. Michael Jackson is... The Thriller. Can you dig it? Ha 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 
try to go as quick as I can with these because my throat is getting dry as fuck and it's already past midnight and if I stay up past midnight I usually get real fucked up in the morning. Um, <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like I just fucking hit the bottle in the morning. Man, if I stay up late I just get fucked up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, like, I can't fucking wake up and it screws the whole day up. Uh, so let's do this. First movie I watched before I realized that I could just watch Hong Kong movies was a 1974 American film that is kind of like a comedy drama sort of thing. Uh, that was very different than I expected because... Um, the, the, the title that I saw it under was Games Guys Play, and the poster is, like, selling the movie as this, like, romp of a sex comedy, and the tagline on the poster is... Some guys have all the fun. They find them, feed them, fool them, and forget them. And while it is true that some guys do have that brand of fun, <laughs> uh, the guys in this movie <laughs> are not those guys. <laughs> So their 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 tagline is correct. Yes, some guys do have the fun, but not these guys. So the the it's it's a, a weird movie. I I really I can't say that I liked it a lot. I can't say that I loved it, but I didn't I didn't dislike it at all. I definitely liked it, but it's um. Like, it presents all this stuff, and then it doesn't really do enough with it. It starts off with this guy, and he can't get his ex-girlfriend off of his mind. He works in a cemetery, and he's just, like, obsessed with death. <laughs> not, not like Harold and Maude or anything like that, but just, like... He he's all about like tending. He he's supposed to. He has like this assistance job at the the cemetery, and he's supposed to just like put flowers on the graves and stuff like that. And it's supposed to take like 15 minutes or whatever. And he makes it like half the day because he goes and like visits with each person and is like talking to them and doing all this shit um, because he he can't let the past die basically, because his, his girlfriend that left him, she left him and married some older, like, professor or something like that. Um, they're, like, college-age kids. Um, he just, like, is in love with her and has no interest in moving past it, so he's just really locked in and symbolically he, he won't you know let the past die and every night 
before he goes to bed, he says, good night, Jackie, uh, which is the name of his ex and his uh, kind of rambunctious, uh, kind of like the guys from the poster, the guys having the fun, but this guy is actually uh, has a committed relationship, <laughs> so... Um, I don't, you know, they're just trying to sell tickets at that point. Anyway, uh, so his, his roommate is, is fucking sick of the Goodnight Jackie shit, and so he tries to set him up with the girl, and he tries to, you know, get him to move forward with his life. And it... There's not, I mean, there's a story, there's, like, stuff that happens, but it's more of just, like, a kind of an aimless sort of movie that, that like, just follows this character doing things. And at the end of the story, at the end of the movie, I don't know that it has really resolved much of anything, but um, there's definitely been a lot of experiences along the way. So it's not a great movie. It was it was like a a lost movie for a long time, and um, it was just it was on this double feature DVD that I have, and like it doesn't even have five votes on IMDb, you know. Uh, so very few people have seen it apparently. Um, but anyway, it's it's not a bad movie. It's really interesting, and it's like unique. And I I wanted the character to grow, like I wanted to see an arc. Um, but like he never achieves. Like he always gets keep he keeps getting like sucked back in. So it's kind of like an addiction thing where you could like make the analogy of, of addiction is this, this kind of constant cycle where if you're on the wagon of fucking, uh, recovery, you know, you're on the wagon, you're not using, or in his case, he's not thinking about the girl, he's moved forward. Like, basically, at any moment, you could decide, ah, fuck it. You know, like, it's it's a, it's an ongoing thing, it's a constant struggle, and many uh, alcoholics or drug addicts or whatever, many addicts, uh, will relapse many times, and that's just the process. So perhaps that is the lesson of Goodnight Jackie. I don't know. It's not good enough to really pinpoint a single theme or anything that that really makes it a good movie, but, but uh, it presents enough to where if you're engaged with the movie and and you're into it, um, you know, there's something there. It's good. I see why it's lost, though. I mean, it's not, it's not anything that anybody would seek out or really get uh, infatuated with or or uh, super into. So I get, I get why 
you know nobody watches it and it's not really available uh, but other than that so that's good night Jackie we'll say good night to Jackie and uh, all of the other characters from that movie <laughs> and next I watched Eastern Condors directed by Sammo Hung and starring Sammo Hung and Yoon Byu and uh, Sammo Hung's wife Joyce Gadenzi uh, Lam Ching-Ying, Charlie Chin, uh, one of the original Lucky Stars. Uh, Yoon Woo-Ping has a, a little cameo role. Uh, who else is in this movie? Uh, Yasuaki Karata, Yoon Wa, uh, fucking all the usual suspects for a Sammo Hung movie. Dick Wei, Philip Kofei, Wu Ma... All in you know smaller roles. James Tien is always around. Um, anyway, fucking Eastern Condors. I love this movie. It's great. I have loved it ever since I first saw it a number of years ago when I was uh, in high school. And it it's fucking great. It's really good. And what I found interesting about it this time, watching it this time, like. I knew I was going to enjoy it, but um, they could have easily just made like a fucking movie with a bunch of dope uh, martial arts fights in the jungle, you know, or something like that. And it would have been really easy and it would have been dope and, you know that that would have been that but the stuff it's in eastern condors like a lot of it is gun based but then there's a bunch of regular sort of hong kong stunts and and fights and things and then towards the end there's a little bit more fight heavy stuff but it, even then it's it's not as lengthy as a more traditional thing but anyway what I was thinking about that is like yeah it could have been that but if you think about where Sammo Hung was in his career as a director at this point I mean he he had made a bunch of shit a fucking shitload of great movies at this point movies that were not only great but but had done extremely well at the Hong Kong box office. Um, these are the movies that, that cemented Jackie Chan as the fucking box office uh, gold. And so having watched some uh, a bunch of the early Sammo Hung movies in succession, um, and those are all traditional martial arts movies, like straight-up classic kung fu movies. With, um, well, whatever. Anyway, the variation between each one of those movies is immense. And it shows that, like, Sam Hung's not really into repeating himself. He's, he doesn't want to just do, oh, here's another thing with the fight like this and a fight like that. Like, he's always moving it forward. And in general, Hong Kong tries 
generally to uh, move things forward like that and never rest on the laurels. Uh, but what's what like the defining point of Eastern Condors is that they didn't just do a bunch of fights. They incorporated like everything about Vietnam movies. So like guns and assault weapons and fucking 50 caliber howitzers or what. I, I don't know guns, so I'm probably making some shit up, but like big fucking uh like mounted guns um just all kinds of shit and knives and i mean fucking <laughs> sam hung gets a machete at one point and he just fucking machetes this dude's head off like you <laughs> know like uh in the middle of a fight it's fucking great <laughs> But anyway, like, there's no challenge in just doing fights. So to integrate guns and, like, crazy stunts and fights and just to make all of that work together as a single cohesive action movie, it's really impressively done. And the choreography, in order to achieve something like that, is just immense. And so I just I love this fucking movie. It's great. How could you not like this movie? It's so fucking good. Um, I could see not liking it if you go in expecting like, okay, this is going to be Sammo Hung and Yoon Byu just fighting the shit out of Lam Ching Ying and fucking Yoon Woo Ping's in it and Chin Kar Lok and all these guys are just going to fucking go at it, you know. But like, like Yoon Woo Ping, he doesn't like do much of anything in terms of like anything but acting you know like you fire some guns and stuff but he's just there i guess uh i mean he's a good presence there i like him in the movie but he's also there just as a hey it's you know it's a cameo from this great uh filmmaker this great figure in hong kong um so you know (laughs) That's my uh, that's my Eastern Condors thing. Um, I do want to say also, in the in the whole movie, Sammo Hung uses a lot of slow motion to accent the action scenes, and and in the first part of the movie, like the first half of the movie, there's like a good portion of the action that's almost entirely in slow motion. And Sammo Hung likes slow motion. It's in, like, all of his movies uh, to varying degrees. And, like, even all the way up to his newest movie, The Bodyguard, where, like, the fights at the end are almost entirely in slow motion. Um, It's... In, in in that movie's case, the slow motion is digitally done, so it's kind of choppy and not great, but uh, you get used to it. But anyway, like, to choreograph a fight, let's say, or anything, I mean, to choreograph a moment in a movie that's amazing, 
you choreograph it, you shoot it, and it's over in a split second. So the idea of slow motion makes it last longer, but it also it allows the viewer to be more critical of it because it's happening so much slower and you have the opportunity to watch it. So like it's the it's the opposite of the American uh, idea of action movies where they're over editing everything so that it looks like whoever the fuck is starring in the movie, you know, like, uh, oh, fuck, what's that guy's name? This was going to be funny if I could just, <laughs> oh, man, now I fucked it up. Um, who's, what the fuck is that guy's name? Rob Schneider. So, <laughs> so, like, if they put Rob Schneider in a fucking action movie and they edited it enough to the point that the, you know, they just got some flashes of this and some flashes of that, you know, you might believe that Rob Schneider's kicking some ass. But this is Sam Hung and this is Yoon Bu, and these are some of the most amazing martial arts screen performers of all time. And so why don't we just revel in how fucking amazing they are? And so not only is that cool, and it looks fucking great, and like the challenge of choreographing within the slow motion so like like planning because it's all shot on film at this point so the, all the slow motions and all that stuff is planned out to design sequences that are action sequences but that the action primarily plays out in a format that is almost the antithesis of what action is this fast fucking tense exciting movement that's like so uh it's so fucking cool because <laughs> i feel stupid just saying oh it's so cool but just like it blows my mind because not only is that all of that shit like really tense and uh very impressive visually it's also it like it feels super fucking action-packed and it's all like a lot of it is in slow motion and it's it's just it's a really interesting thing and so um i i usually watch for slow motion in action movies specifically because of like in the Shaw Brothers series slow motion um costs more money so like when they used slow motion in the Shaw Brothers movie it was like kind of a big deal uh going back to the earlier movies and like they would only let certain directors do it so like Chang Che had the right to to fucking do slow motion but even he didn't start using it until a few years into the martial arts movies and then you see like how Cheng Che uses it in very specific re uh, points for very specific reasons and it's almost always to, to really accentuate something and over time his use of slow motion develops and grows and he's able to use more of it because he now has more money to to deal with 
and so I don't know. There's something about slow motion within action that really like captures my attention. So anyway, it's it's fucking brilliantly done in Eastern Condors, and um, so the next movie is I'm trying to go fast on these two because it's getting late. Um, Doctor Vampire. 1990, I believe. It says 91 here, but um, that's got to be wrong. Because on Hong Kong Movie Database, isn't it 90? Yeah. December 6th, 1990, it came out. So, uh, 1990, Dr. Vampire. It's a movie about a doctor who becomes a vampire. And what's interesting about it is it's a Hong Kong movie, but it features uh, European vampires, which is the first time I've ever seen that in a Hong Kong movie. And so instead of the uh, standard Hong Kong uh, hopping vampires, they do make a joke about hopping <laughs> vampires at one point, uh, but uh, it's all like drinking blood and sunlight and fucking wooden stakes in the heart and shit like that you know the classic stuff i don't know that they ever talk about garlic but anyway and so it's it's a movie that it's probably about an hour and a half first hour is relatively slow the first part it starts out pretty good and then uh because he's in I think Scotland or something they say, and he he goes to this castle, and he gets bit by a vampire basically, and then uh, then he goes back to Hong Kong to work at the hospital. But uh, the the stuff in Hong Kong is not as interesting because it becomes like this sort of love triangle, sort of misunderstanding Three's Company episode, where he's trying to not uh clue his girlfriend into to the fact that like he's a vampire and you know he slept with this vampire and that's how he became a vampire whatever and now like she's hanging around so that part is all right but it's it's not great but the first part i i like a lot and then <laughs> then the fucking end comes like the last Probably not the last half hour, but maybe the last 20 minutes. And it is so fucking balls out fun. Like, <laughs> it's so crazy. Um, it's a little bit of martial arts, but not a lot. Because these the, the, the people in the movie are not, like, you know, martial artists. Like, fucking Jackie Chan or anything. So, just a little bit of that. And then, just a lot of really weird, inventive fantasy shit. And just, just weird shit in general. Like uh, the doctors need to fight uh, the the Dracula kind of character. They call him the Count, and uh, he's just like this blonde dude. <laughs> he's fucking stupid looking. Anyway, they like load all these syringes up with acid, 
and so they have like all these bandoliers full of syringes and then like regular sized syringes and then in their hands they have these giant like shotgun sized syringes <laughs> like full of fucking acid <laughs> like fucking weird shit like that it's just i don't know <laughs> it's fun if i had notes i could probably say something more than that but that's all i got <laughs> <laughs> so like it's it's it starts off good and then it was kind of like well, I don't know this movie's not that good and then man it just like it goes into fucking overdrive dope <laughs> it's fucking awesome overdrive dope <laughs> so so that was a a surprise and I was very grateful for that surprise. Uh, and then uh, earlier today, I watched a Hong Kong movie uh, called Profile in Anger, 1984. And it is directed by Lung Kar Yan, also affectionately known as Beardy. And it also stars Lung Kar Yan. And who else is in the movie? Uh, Michael Chan, Y Man, Damien Lau. Uh, Cheng Yi, the old Shaw Brothers star, and uh, Philip Kofei is also in this. He's fucking dope. If you don't know Philip Kofei, he's fucking dope. <laughs> um, that's the other thing that I wanted to say about um, Dr. Vampire. The movie features... Basically, no one that I know offhand. Um, oh, yeah, he's in it, too. I should talk about that. Um, it doesn't feature, like, big stars that I know, really. And the director is not anybody that I know. Um, there is a cameo from Shaw Brothers screenwriter extraordinaire, Ni Kwong, who co-wrote, basically, all the Cheng Che movies and helped define the genre um, during the early days of Shaw all the way through the end. Um, he was a fucking incredible screenwriter. I, I love him to death. And he is in a, one of his few acting roles here. He plays a Taoist priest that is trying to exercise the vampire from the doctor. And he's fucking great. Uh, he's very funny. And also, uh, just, he's just great. I love it. Um, it's fun seeing him do his thing. I've never seen him do, like, in motion ever. I've seen pictures of him, but I've never actually seen him as a person. And uh, he looks like a pretty fun guy. <laughs> uh, how do you think, boo-boo? <laughs> uh, also in the movie is a guy named David Wu who plays one of the Doctor sidekicks. And he would later go on to direct uh, a few movies of his own, including Bride with White Hair Part 2. <laughs> and he also was primarily an editor. And he edited all kinds of movies, such as the... Uh, The, uh, the first movie from Lao Karlong, The Spiritual Boxer. Spiritual Boxer. Um, 
he edited Challenge of the Masters. He also edited uh, Kirk Wong's movie called The Club that Uncle Jasper uh, was telling me about when I last saw him. Anyway, he, he, he edited a, like fucking a shitload of movies and, you know, it's like the real deal. He went on to edit like Red Cliff, Hard Boiled, Once a Thief, Better Tomorrow 3. <laughs> um, just a whole bunch of stuff. And he, he came to America and and edited one of the Chucky movies. Um, the Bride of Chucky or something like that. And I think Ronnie Yu, who is a Hong Kong director, um, who directed Bride with White Hair Part 1, um, oh, and David Wu also wrote, uh, was one of the four writers on Bride with White Hair. Uh, but anyway, you know, like, this is just some dude in this movie, and then you look into it, and it's just like, oh, man, this is, this dude is a real deal dude. <laughs> you know? Like, he's not just, uh, he's not just this fucking dumbass guy in this movie. He's a lot more than that. Uh, and, and he apparently also composed music for a bunch of movies, including The Killer <laughs> and Chinese Ghost Story and A Better Tomorrow and Peking Opera Blues and, you know, all these big fucking movies, big Hong Kong movies. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, and, and the director, Jamie Luck, Kim Ming of Dr. Vampire is also one of those guys that like when I looked into his his uh, his credits like he started as a kind of a background extra um, in uh, Chang Che's Shaw Brothers movies his first movie was Savage 5 and then he's in like Five Shallon Masters, Men from the Monastery Heroes 2 Shallon Martial Arts. He's in all these fucking movies. And then uh, he would also write and direct and do all that stuff. But he's also one of the cameos, uh, one of the people that cameos, one of the many, many, many cameos in the Jackie Chan movie, The Twin Dragons. And so I might uh, might recognize him the next time I, I go through the movie. Anyway. I think David Wu might have a, a little piece in that movie, too. Everybody's in fucking Twin Dragons, basically. <laughs> yep, he is. Um, okay. So, I was talking about Profile and Anger. Um, Philip Kofei is fucking dope. Michael Chan, Wai Man, is dope. Elon Kar Yen is dope. Cheng Yi, also dope. Uh... <laughs> Basically, it's a revenge movie. It takes a while for the revenge to take shape. And, like, it takes almost an hour before we get to the point where shit goes down and, and you know, people start fucking paying for their transgressions. And so it's way too long in, in the setup phase. But <laughs> holy shit! Once, <laughs> once it gets into the 
the fucking retribution it's <laughs> it's so gnarly and the movie overall is really brutal and like not necessarily graphic but i mean there's some graphic stuff but like it's just really brutal like every fucking hit is just gnarly and uh every like there's this one part where they're fighting in a junkyard um and Lonkai Yan gets a fucking like a part of a like a drive shaft or something again I'm not I'm not a car guy so I don't know but there's a when in like trucks and shit there's like a, this this pipe that like turns underneath the car and I think it's a drive shaft uh, but I don't know. Anyway, he has a big, like, chopped off piece of that. Uh, and I recognize it because there's this little joint at the top that turns. And he's got that, and it's all, like, covered in grease. And he just starts beating the shit out of Philip Cofe with it. <laughs> and there's this one part where he, uh, Philip Cofe, like, stands and turns around, and Lung Kar Yen just fucking just <laughs> wax him hard as fuck in the back of the head with it it's so fucking brutal and and there's a sound effect like ding <laughs> it's rough man and and <laughs> then like one of the final things in that retribution is like <laughs> Lunkar Yan builds this fucking like Mad Max semi truck with all these spikes and shit. <laughs> it's so crazy. But it takes a long time to get there and um the story is not great and there's a lot of holes. <laughs> like Lunkar Yen has a like a fiance, I think it was, and she's kind of <laughs> like she's there and then she uh, like, I'm not sure if she was killed or kidnapped, but, like, they never <laughs> really talk about her again after that. And Lunkar Yen should be pretty distraught over that. It's like his woman. <laughs> but she, she, they don't talk about her, and, and he acts like nothing ever fucking happened. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Um, apparently I read about the movie was uh, started a couple of years earlier and then finished later, so maybe that's why this shit doesn't make sense. Uh, but, like, she probably didn't want to come back, and so they just changed the fucking movie around so she's not there, and they don't talk about her. But anyway, um, it takes a while to get going, but once it does, it's pretty fucking good. And... <laughs> Uh, one thing about it is that uh, Longcar Yen does not sport sport his uh, trademark beard in the movie, or at least for most of the movie, because as soon as shit goes down, <laughs> like he has stubble, and then uh, like as his life gets worse, his beard gets longer. <laughs> And it's not, like, a supernatural thing. It doesn't feel uh, necessarily dumb. It just, just like, they just show his, 
like, oh, his beard has grown since the last time we saw him. And it gets to the point at the end where it's like a full fucking beard. <laughs> it's so great. I love the beard as character. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's late. I'm tired. So that's going to be the show. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, coming up on the site next week, uh, Stephen has a review of New Dominion Tank Police to follow up his review of Dominion Tank Police. So look for that uh, coming out on a Wednesday, as usual. And uh, on Friday, I should have my top... 10 1990s Jackie Chan movies list ready to go and uh, so that'll be uh, that's that's the week uh, and the next week I'll take off there'll be no reviews posted no nothing uh, maybe a podcast I don't know I, I would assume a podcast uh, and then uh, I'll be back the week after that with actual reviews so whatever none of that matters uh, send in feedback if you want. Uh, if you don't want, um, send it. Send it in anyway. <laughs> no, I don't know. Send it uh, to your local congressman and uh, ask them to <laughs> uh, make a better Silver Emulsion podcast, uh, as well as uh, don't repeal uh, Affordable Care Act. <laughs> oh Jesus. This fucking world, man. This country is going to shit. Okay, anyway. So if you have any thoughts on anything that I talked about, uh, send me a feedback. And so that's the show. Adios. Have a good week. Uh, yeah, adios. Friend, friend, friend. Can you talk friend? Friend, friend, friend. Can you talk friend? Friend, friend, friend. Can you talk friend? Friend, 买只戒指